The 4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. All right, guys, here we go. 4 o'clock hour at Bill, Willie, hanging out at Silver 7. You guys all good? We are good. We're good. We're Lovely. Sure we're hoping you were okay. How, yeah, how could oh. you not be having a good time here at Silver 7s? That's a good point. I uh, got 77-cent beers going on right now with the VGK game starting up. We'll get into the Golden Knights. We'll get some updates. Uh, Adam, what's going on with uh, the COVID list and injuries and patches and Riley Smith? Yeah, we saw about 20 minutes ago Max Petretti was removed from the injured list on the NFL or NFL on the NHL website. So some eyebrows raised like, oh, maybe this is the night. And then they took warm-ups and he was out there and it looks like he is in the starting lineup for the Golden Knights tonight as they play. Uh, the Florida Panthers, and it looks like Riley Smith also out of COVID protocol. So a uh, little bit closer to full strength as the Golden Knights uh, get ready to play the second half of this road trip. All right, we got a lot of football headlines to get to, and the football friends, we're going to talk to Ian Williams, who former NFL player, and he's real close to the Niners situation. But now we've got a developing story, Adam, and I know Willie's following it as well. It looks like the new hot name, as we were getting ready to talk about Ed Dodds as a potential GM, the new hot name at GM could be Dave Ziegler because, and you can explain what's happening here, Josh McDaniel's name has exploded all over the place. Conversation coming up, interview coming up with the Patriots OC and Raiders Brass. So what do you know about this story? Where is this coming from? Yeah, McDaniel's has been a name they're interested in for sure. Uh, it's been a guy that was kind of involved in the process early. It was looked at as, hey, it's Harbaugh, and then McDaniels would be potentially plan B. And that kind of fizzled away a little bit. There was some reporting that you know they had kind of you know, fallen back to uh, maybe he's just one of the candidates, not one of the leading candidates. And now, all of a sudden, in the last couple hours, it has resurfaced and looks like there's strong momentum toward Josh McDaniels being the coach. Uh, Ziegler would basically be a package deal. Uh, they go back a long way, not just with the Patriots. They go back uh, years and years together. Uh, so it looks like they would want to you know, potentially be a team and come here together, and the Raiders seem interested in that. So nothing is done, and there's been a couple of times where momentum has started to build in certain directions during the search, but it's looking like there is at least some, you know, this is the first time we've had some real momentum toward a story actually happening. Uh, we got a lot here. There, there's a lot on this because uh, there's a lot of different media reaction to it. And obviously we have a, we're going to have a reaction to Josh McDaniels potentially being a top candidate. When just the other day, I, th- I thought someone in the Raiders media said he's not the top candidate anymore. But we'll hash through all that. But let's do a giveaway right now. 364-1100-364-1100 East West Shrine Games in Vegas. February 3rd, Allegiant Stadium. Tickets start as low as 19 bucks. You can get them at ShrineBowl.com. We've got a four-pack. For the game at the Alex East West Shrine Bowl, that's February 3rd, 364-1100, caller 11364-1100. So we got more names for the GM of the Raiders. Josh McDaniels is certainly a big name and a highly debatable name, so we'll get into all that as we have a ton of football coming here in Cofield & Company. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. 
But I think there's part of this where Aaron Rodgers looks around the league and sees what Tom Brady was able to do, leaving the New England Patriots and getting a new lease on life going to Tampa. I think there's an allure there to build something. And I think there is that aspect of, I'm going to get to run everything that I want to run. This is going to be kind of a, an extension of me as a quarterback. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Mark Slareth on Aaron Rodgers' rumors potentially to Denver, but we'll we'll be covering this, I'm sure, for a while and what Aaron Rodgers wants. But uh, pressing business right now, the final four in the NFL, we got Niners and Rams. We got this interesting debate going on about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Cofield, Adam Hill, Willie. And Ian Williams played in the NFL. He played for the Niners, works for uh, NBC Xfinity in the Bay Area. What's up, Ian? How are you? Fellas, I'm doing good. Ready to talk some football. What you got for me tonight? Well, let's jump into it right away with uh, kind of a media versus former player spat going on right now. And on the, on the front end, I just wanted your take on uh, Mina Kimes from ESPN basically saying that Jimmy G is along for the ride. Is that unfair? I mean, it's not unfair because you have to give respect to the cast of characters around him. Trent Williams, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and these guys on offense have been taking up a lot of the slack even when he's out of the lineup. You see Trey Lance get in there and get some snaps. But I think the team always goes as far as Jimmy goes. So you can say whatever you want that, you know, he's along for the ride. Well, shoot. I mean, I'll be along for the ride, too, if I, was, if I had that, that type of crew around me and able to make me look good and just hand the football off and make my job easy. So I'll take it. Ian Williams is with us here on this Thursday as we're getting ready for the Niners and the Rams. All right, what about Jeff Garcia coming out and basically saying, hey, if you didn't play quarterback in the NFL, you didn't play in the NFL, shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, I mean Jeff and any other you know, NFL player is going to have that kind of mentality, especially to people who may try to down talk or demean or, or say a certain position isn't difficult or uh, you, know, you don't know certain things. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you're pretty much out there. You're playing a kid's game. Uh, you're throwing the football around to other guys. So, you know, you can find somebody who can throw the football. Obviously, you got to make the first, uh, the, the right decisions to be able to lead your team down, first, second down, third down, down the field, not make mistakes, not turn the football over. That's difficult. Also, you know, being able to retain a, a playbook and understand the mentality that you need to go into every game, every practice, every meeting, and then, the whole team doesn't go unless you go. So I understand what Jeff was talking about. He was a great quarterback and stuff like that. But, you know, um, I wouldn't say, you know, or tell people not to, you know, talk about my position. You know, I was a nose guard, defensive lineman. I wouldn't tell someone who didn't play defensive line. I would actually try to hear out their opinion to try to understand where they're coming from so that we can have a great debate. So how, how much of a challenge are the 49ers up against this weekend in L.A.? I think it's going to be a big challenge. I, I feel like L.A. really showed their best foot forward uh, this past week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially trying to get to, uh, 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 Tom Brady and making him uncomfortable. I feel like that's the whole uh, key to the game of why they won and, and the fashion in which they won because Tom Brady was literally running for his life the whole game and uh, Aaron Donald and Von Miller were speeding up his throwing processes. So, you know, anything that he tried to do or go through his progressions, he wasn't able to do because he had to get the football out. So I think the Niners are going to have some difficulty up front, you know, trying to block those guys. I feel like they're they're finally starting to play in unison with Von Miller's finally back out there and, and being more comfortable with the guys and the defensive scheme that they run out there uh, with, with the Rams. But, 
you know, offensively, I think if the Niners can be able to run the football and on defense be able to slow down Cooper Cup and uh, Cam Akers has been running great for the Rams since he's been back coming off that Achilles. So, you know, it's going to be a tough game for the 49ers. It's, it's very difficult to defeat a team three times in the NFL, and the Niners have done it twice, and they've defeated Sean McVay multiple times over the past few years. And I just think, you know, over time, like it has to be, you know, sometime that the other team wins. And it could possibly be on Sunday that, you know, the Rams finally get that win against the Niners in the most important time. You, you say that. I, I can't remember if it was Adam Candy. So we had someone on, and they, they said that everybody always says that about be, it's tough to win three times. But over the course of time, if you look in the Super Bowl era, it's actually happened. Why? What? What's the reason that San Francisco is going to be able to do this? When? When did this team turn things around? In, in terms of your eyes, when you saw it happening and said, "Whoa, okay, this team is making a run, and this is why it can contend all the way through to this point." Well, I felt like once they went through the midseason skid where they lost a few games consecutively, and they started to get some guys back healthy. You know, Trent missed a couple games, Kittle missed a few games, and then you know Debo was you know, coming around, and I feel like the injuries at running back, you know, forced Kyle to have to get the ball in the playmaker's hand. So that's where you see Debo Samuel, you know, starting to come more alive at, at the running back position, is being an athlete out there. So I just feel like certain things throughout the season have forced the team to either grow up and mature to where they are right now, and that's a team that's contending in one game away from going to the Super Bowl, especially if they can handle an opponent that they've beaten multiple times. Um this isn't going to be easy because it's going to be one of the hardest situations to go on the road. Uh, I'm hoping the 49er fans show up again like they did last time on the last game of the season and take over the stadium again to make it a little bit easier. Uh, but anytime you're going on the road in the playoffs, it's going to be a, a, a difficult task. Will it be back-to-back games at SoFi for the 49ers? I think it will be. Honestly, you know, it's kind of back and forth where I'm worried about that defense line because they look so superior against Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay was dealing with some offensive line issues, which the 49ers aren't going to be dealing with. But I just feel like it's going to be uh, a matchup of, of, of really good players on both sides, you know, trying to win their individual matchups. So I think individually, that's where the Rams and Aaron Donald and Von Miller can possibly, you know, affect this game. But I think at the end of the day, you know, there's too much that Kyle Shanahan and the Niners have that the Rams are lacking or missing on. You mentioned you mentioned Debo in the backfield and, and what he can be as a weapon, both running the ball and, and catching the ball. We saw the Rams do that quite a bit with Cooper Cup this year too, and put him in the backfield and create some some matchup nightmares. Are we going to see a lot of teams start to do this? First of all, and and secondly, how difficult is it for for defenses to deal with somebody that's that good out of the backfield running routes and that dangerous? Well, it's dangerous because now you're talking about a defensive scheme where you're looking at personnel, you're looking at numbers and wide receivers and tight ends and running backs, and you're trying to decipher what defensive personnel, what defensive call you're trying to put out there. So normally you have like 11 personnel, which is one, one running back and, and uh, uh, one receiver or one tight end, you know, depending on you know, what you call certain things. So when you have a receiver back there, running back, it just changes up the numbers and then motion now. You can tell if they're in man coverage, who's covering that receiver. Now you have a linebacker who's normally covering a running back that's splitting out now who's a wide receiver. So, you know, Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup and other guys around the league and other offenses around the league, they're going to start to see what Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay have been doing out here in the West Coast and try to implement in their offense to take advantage of their athletes and their athleticism in the, in the open field. Oh, over on the other side, any chance for the Bengals to beat the Chiefs? 
I think so. I mean, I feel like the main thing that's going to hurt the Chiefs is being able to throw the ball and attack that secondary. You know, I don't know if Tyron Matthews is going to be out there. You saw him get injured early in the game this past week. He's he's a Chiefs player back there in the secondary. So, you know, especially with what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and that offensive scheme of what they like to do out there, they stress you on that backside on, on in the secondary. So if they could, you know, stress Kansas City, score some points, get Patrick Mahomes off the field and be able to run the football and use Joe Mixon and take some of that time off the clock, I feel like they definitely have a chance. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be too hard to go to KC and win. I thought the Bills were going to do that last week, and they let me down. They had 13 seconds and, and let it go. We, uh, you know, we're obviously in Las Vegas, so there's, there's interested listeners for specific reasons. Cincinnati, Kansas City has a total of 54.5. The Rams and 49ers, 46.5. Um, I'm curious your take on the style of play we're going to see from both of these games in your eyes. High-scoring games, low-scoring games, how do you see the games playing out, regardless of prediction and point spread, but as far as the totals are concerned? Um, I think, uh, honestly, I think both games are going to be average games. I don't think they'll be high-scoring games like the Chiefs and Bills games were. Uh, I think there's a possibility of both going into overtime. I think the Kansas City Chiefs win in uh, regulation, but I think it's a possibility for the Rams and 49ers to possibly go into overtime and it'd be, you know, a 30-30 type game uh, in, in the 30s. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun just to see, you know, who comes out at the end of the day, who's going to the Super Bowl, and, you know, who's going to have that, uh, that confidence from, you know, the, the divisional round, the wild card round, the conference championship, and carry that to the Super Bowl. And, and we got to keep in mind, and maybe you can help us kind of figure this out a little bit, like even games that are really high scoring, like the 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 Rams Bucks game, got high scoring at the very end. It was it was not high scoring with, with like six minutes left. Bucks got two touchdowns and the Rams got a field goal to push it over. And even the Bills Chiefs game, like we we remember how great the offense was in the last two minutes. That was w- way under with two minutes to go. Yeah. So why do these yeah, games, yeah. why do these games just explode at the end of the game? Yeah, they did. They were both crazy. I can tell you that it was exciting. I uh, saw. Uh, dropping my daughters off today, and one of these security guards at my daughter's school was just, hey, did you see the games? They were exciting. I was like, yes, sir, I saw them. We were watching having a great old time, and uh, I feel like everybody who's an NFL fan was sitting at the edge of their seats watching all those games these past weekends. And then the Monday night game, the week before that, I feel like the NFL's done a great job to uh, garner more audiences and garner more eyes to be able to pay attention to, you know, what's going on 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 the field and these players. So I, I and I caught a bunch of flack. By the way, we're talking to former Niners lineman Ian Williams, NBC Sports Bay Area. I um I was catching flack coming back from the weekend, saying that I felt the Chiefs and the Bills were, you know, people were saying it was the greatest football game ever played. I said no, it wasn't. It may have been exciting, but it wasn't a great football game, technically speaking, because there were a lot of defensive collapses. So in terms of the units, the special teams, the defense, the offense. As far as being well played, the Rams Bucks, or uh, you had the Buccaneers coming back from a 27 3 deficit. Turnovers on the Rams part. So, a lot of mistakes in those Sunday games. I felt the Saturday games were the better technically played games. What, what type of game do you like to watch? Do you like the defensive sound, tight games, or do you like the shootouts? I mean, I like them both. I like the shootouts because you're, you start to see the offensive scheme of what the offense coordinator and the players are thinking about going into that week and the film study and the practices of what they are trying to attack. And then same thing about defensive players. So I love defensive battles. I love to see 
a team try to outduel another team. So I feel like both aspects of the game are exciting for every type of fan. So there's certain teams out there that throw the football a lot, certain teams that run the football, play great defense, don't play great defense. I feel like it's a wide range of uh, variety out there for every NFL fan, whatever they like, whatever style of football they like. Ian Williams is with us. All right, let's talk about some of the uh, the head coach and GM hires and some of the other people who are being considered. If you're running an organization, would you be in favor of going with a defensive-minded head coach who's got a background on the defense or offense? It depends on the, the personnel that I have currently on the team. You know, if I'm a uh, if I have a team like the Cleveland Browns, which is you know pretty balanced, great running backs, great defensive line. You know, it's really hard to pick who. Uh, I'm picking because that type of mindset, you know, you can come in with an offensive mindset and, and, and still lose. You can come in with a defensive mindset and still lose. I feel like it's about the talent that's on the roster and the coaching staff that you bring in that's going to be able to rally those guys to be able to get the best out of them. All right, sir, so if you're the Bears with a second-year quarterback coming up and Justin Fields, you hire a defensive guy? Uh, you could. You know, you can get somebody in there to really take the – defense of what Vic Fangio did a few years ago, which is why they were so good, and be able to try to replicate that and then find an offensive coordinator or offensive guru to be able to scheme things around Justin Fields to be able to highlight his uh, abilities. So you got to give us your take on Belichick tree guys in general because the hot name today in the afternoon here in Vegas is Josh McDaniels. And, you know, we've seen a lot of the Belichick guys over the years kind of flame out McDaniels was very immature and you know kind of left Denver in ruins didn't have a great reputation I guess that's been repaired so what do you think about Josh McDaniels getting another chance and maybe in Las Vegas I mean guys are going to come in and have an opportunity regardless because of their pedigree who they've been around who they've been coached by what type of system they they are accustomed to running and, and, and calling so if you can have a guy like Josh McDaniels be able to come in and and lead your football team. Obviously, you want to have great talent around them, but I feel like that's the main thing for any one of these coaches. You're looking for great talent. You're looking for a great city. You're looking for a great fan base to try to bring and input your 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 mind frame, your your mindset, and your uh, everything that you're trying to accomplish. You need to have the best people around you. So I feel like you know if McDaniel's is a, a great hire for either Denver or whatever spot around the NFL. I feel like. Uh, he just needs to worry about the, the simple things and get great people around him. Ian, we appreciate a couple minutes, man. Thank you so much. For sure, guys. I'll let you bang, bang, Niner gang. <laughs> there he is. Ian Williams, a former 49er, rooting for the Niners, hoping for an invasion of SoFi Stadium by the Niners fans again, as they've had a, a pretty good run in L.A. and a pretty good run overall against the Rams. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to Brad Powers, some college football news, his leans and likes for the weekend of the Final Four here in the – National Football League, but of course the Fat Pack is on the way, and uh, you know what? Adam and I are all about moving a place into Vegas if it actually exists called Fancy Nancy's and the Gravy Vending Machine. Sign up for an A-Play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already. Well, an important FYI for the Cofield and Company crew, because I think Adam and I talked about this in years past. Uh, today I'm in Fort Collins as I'm uh, following the UNLV basketball team. Uh, tomorrow they got a game, 6 o'clock, our time at Colorado State. You know there's a Taco John's here. 
right at them, and that's the joint that claims that uh, they're the ones who came up with Taco Tuesday. And I believe they're the company that went after LeBron James, sort of, from a legal fashion. Sure. Yeah. So that's very exciting. When I hit the road to a certain place, <laughs> I like sounds, to say, no, it is. It is. Sounds exciting. It is, uh, no, it, it, it very much is. It very much is. I'm very excited about that. Um, I will look around to see if there's a fancy Nancy's here. I don't think there is. In fact, I don't know that it's real. Um, I don't if think it is, Willie. If it is, we're doing think, a show from there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's definitely a remote spot. I don't think Willie's on board with the Righteous Gemstones. Actually, we have to get an update. Willie, are you – you seem so busy right now. Are you watching anything on the regular on TV? No, actually, I was – I, it's funny because you have this on the rundown, and I Googled it, and then there's actually a Nancy's Fancy Gelato site. No, not that. No, I know. Not, not <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Nope. No. Well, I got the Golden Knights game on at the beautiful bar here at Silver Sevens. A gentleman just walked up and, and grabbed a free T-shirt, and he wanted to know if we knew who the McDonald's All-American was in town. And it, it's, it's his daughter, Aaliyah Gaines, from Spring Valley High oh, School. Wow, cool. So, no, I'm not distracted. I'm listening to you. Fancy oh, no pants. Distracted. No one's oh, just distracted. asking if you're watching any television. Oh, I'm watching uh, the Golden Knights. One nothing. But you're not watching. You're not watching Righteous Gemstones, which we talked about on the show yesterday. Oh. So I went home. He, by, by, by the way, can we stop for a second? He was distracted because I said, "Are you watching I anything I on the regular right now, Willie? Any kind of series?" Oh, of right. yeah. no. I remember you were trying. I just, to, you were watching I just finished the, the series. I just finished the series. I just finished the series yesterday. I see what you're saying. I thought you meant here, here, right now. No, no, no. no, I just finished the series, which Adam doesn't want to hear about because he's already chided me about it once um, because it's not up his alley. And I got sucked into watching it, which was manifest. So now i got to figure out if I'm going to watch something over again or I actually need to text Adam in time to find out what the next show I'm going to watch. But I haven't watched the new season of Cobra Kai, so. Oh, that's what you got to watch next. But right, So we talked about Righteous Gemstones yesterday, and I said I had only watched one episode. Now, my concern was the first episode of the season was an hour. And so I, I was not, I didn't want to get too invested because I have a lot going on the next week. Uh, Pro Bowl, it's exciting. Yep. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm so caught up in the Pro Bowl right now. Then I was like, all right, I'll wait till after the Pro Bowl, maybe Super Bowl week, I can check it out. But then I was like, all right, last night I'm going to check out episode two of Righteous Gemstones. And I found out we're back to 30 minutes. Like the episodes are between like 32 and 36 minutes right now. So I was like, all right. So I caught up all the way. I watched two, three, and four. And yes, fancy, fancy Nancy's became a thing yesterday. And uh, we need one. I got we you. De- that's, where the, the, that's where the Gemstone family went out for chicken. Wow. It was a, it was a chicken it. joint. It was a chicken joint, and then all of a sudden they do a close up of a kind of a Coke machine with like seven different kinds of gravy. It was yeah, a gravy vending machine. It was glorious. If you go if you go to a lot of restaurants now, they have the the new fancy soda machines where you can get like a thousand different sodas. Yes. It looked like that. It was one of those giant red yeah. machines that dispenses, uh. but instead of instead of soda, it was like six different kinds of gravy from like light to dark. From different different flavors of gravy, and you just hold your chicken up and dispense it into your uh, into your little uh, thing of chicken. Brilliant idea. What's the premise of Righteous Gemstones? It's a, it's essentially about like a southern, like a, a mega church family, like okay. a family it's that a, it's a, it's a it's a televangelist family, yeah. and the kids are an absolute nightmare. It's a money making machine, and almost everyone on the show is a scumbag. Drama or comedy. It's comedy. comedy. I mean, there's Absolute some drama comedy. to it, but it's definitely comedy. How many seasons? It's, did you, it's hilarious. Did you watch Eastbound and Down? No. What? Oh boy. Right, go, back, go back and watch Eastbound and Down. Vice <laughs> Principals? 
No. Oh, no. Guys, you must think that I have time for this stuff. You, you, you watch, you do cardio. It's a TV You're show. single with a dog. Where, what are you, how do you not have time? <laughs> I don't sit around and watch TV. You don't have well, you do. You, you actually, Willie's workout time is my TV time. So that's why he looks like he does and I look like I do. <laughs> That's fair. That's I fair, just, right? you know, it's like I said earlier when we're talking about, you know, Adams immersed in Raiders coverage for that. I mean, I never know when I'm covering something, going to write something, doing something, or as you said, in the gym. So, you know, I just, I don't know, and and I get caught up in these series. And you know what? Here's the other thing. I think it might be the ADHD or something, but I can't watch two, more than two series, especially if they're like the same. Genre or the same, you know. I can't. I'll, I'll say this: righteous gemstones. I agree with righteous that. Righteous gemstones is not like anything else. On television. So it won't. Yeah, yeah. It is crazy. No. Uh, and man, Eli is uh, John Goodman. By the way, Eli Gemstone is a savage. So I got a side question. Uh, you're you're describing the gravy machine, and all I'm picturing is Mike Ramallah just sweating profusely. Our yeah, good friend he Mike, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go near the. He wouldn't go near. Yeah, he'd be, no, no chance. Can we get a Does anyone get more run on our show in the Michael? press box? Uh, <laughs> get out this Saturday, two o'clock to four o'clock. It's a big uh, sports weekend at Twin Peaks in Henderson on Eastern Sunday. Of course, is the final four for the NFL, the AFC, and the uh, NFC Championship games. But Ari's going to be planted there before the VGK game against Tampa Bay. He'll be there from two to four. Twin Peaks Eastern. Uh, in Henderson, he'll have tickets to uh, House of Blues shows and also some gift cards for Top Golf and some running Rebel tickets and lots of other goodies. Right now, it's National Soup Month, so you can take advantage of the uh, wide array of soups at Twin Peaks and, of course, oh, dozens of the hottest servers in Las Vegas, along with a great full bar, with always specials on the beers and the shots. So get on down to Twin Peaks. Ari's going to be there from Cofield and Company, two o'clock to four o'clock. This Saturday, watch the sports on both Saturday and Sunday at Twin Peaks. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. All right, let's do it. We check in with Brad Powers, bradpowersports.com. Uh, most of the year talking college football, NFL. Brad, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me on. All right, Brad. Let's get into it. We want to know about Brad Powers' post-college football season. It's not as if I didn't work with you for like a year and a half and saw you every week. Uh, but for the audience, where are you now on sports gambling? Like a little bit of NFL, and then you just start looking ahead to next football season, or do you start concentrating on college hoops or, college, or uh, NBA? Yeah, no, I started doing college hoops. Uh, is it 80 plus hours a week like it is during football? No, but I, I dabble in some hoops and obviously it ramps up as, you know, February and March happens. And, but, uh, it's nothing like a workload that, that football is. So it's just college hoops. And then once college hoops is over, then NBA playoffs start and, you know, I dabble a little bit in there. But, uh, believe it or not, I probably work a few hours each week and that ramps up even more so as far as college football goes as we get closer to spring practice. And I would argue in the month of April, I probably spend more time on college football than any other sport. 
That's exa- I was just going to jump in and say, Brad, I, I would imagine that you still have to because of, for you, the numbers that you produce for your site, for yourself, the power rating. So it, this is when a lot of the work takes place. You're updating things weekly and you're checking and you're, you're smashing matchups, but a lot of the work takes place creeping up to the spring game and then April, May and getting things ready for next season. Yeah, there's no question. So, I mean, I know the normal college football season starts at the end of August and early September for everybody. It actually starts at the end of May for me. And the official start is uh, the sports books opening up week one, season win totals and whatnot, uh, futures. And I got to be ready by then. So, I mean, it, and with 130 teams at the FBS level, with the transfer portal and about 2,000 kids entering it. It's a lot more workload than what it was 10, 15 years ago. So April and May, I'm basically full-time college football and doing very little basketball. Brad, I saw that you tweeted out about uh, spring games coming up as soon as, uh, what, March 17th. You ever think about going to spring games? Are they? I mean, they're important, but are you just better off staying at home, or would you go to a couple spring games to see guys up close? You know, I, I mean, when UNLV allows people to go to them, I mean, I've been, probably been to three or four UNLV spring games in an up-close look. I mean, if they're not televised, and it's close. I mean, I I would consider it. I'll say this though: the, the beauty about spring games now—they're almost all televised. I mean, I probably watch fifty spring games a year at this point, and it's all via you know TV. So thankfully, the SEC networks, the Big Ten networks, Pac-12 networks, and whatnot—they broadcast all these. So, and, and look—is it an end all? No, but I at least get to see you know the overall vibe of the team in a two-hour basically the TV show. Uh, the vibe of the team during spring, I get to see new quarterbacks, at least with my own eyes, throwing the football a little bit. So, yeah, I, they're they're valuable to me. I mean, I, I watch 50 of them a year. Uh, transfer portal news still coming in on quarterbacks on the impact position. It looks like Jackson Dart may land at Ole Miss. Rumors, like in the last hour, that he's uh, he's been admitted to the school. Like, how big a deal would Jackson Dart, the former USC quarterback, be to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss? I mean, it's certainly he's got to compete for the job. I actually like the kid that played uh, that came in and played. Uh, I know he didn't get the win there in the Sugar Bowl, but I thought he played well, Oldmeyer, uh, who was very highly rated. So, I mean, I don't think, at least from me personally, I don't think the keys are going to be handed to him immediately. But who knows what was said there? I mean, obviously you're going to to, to play for a Lane Kiffin offense because he's a great quarterback developer and he's one of the greatest offensive lines as far as college football in the entire country. So. I mean, that, that, that's a big gift, but I'm not running through the window to bet, you know, to him to win the Heisman just because, you know, I'm a little unsure whether or not he's going to be the clear-cut starter. I can tell you this, just to, to take a peek and, and, and what I'm doing, I did bet a Heisman future about five minutes before I came on this program. Uh, oh, really? One had Caleb Williams. Yeah, Caleb Williams 15-1 to 1 at FanDuel. That's not appropriately priced. He should probably be 10-1 to 1 or less. So I did bet that one, 15-1. to 1. The next if Dart's going to Ole Miss, then Caleb Williams has to be going to SC. So if that's the case, okay. then I'm okay putting a little money on him. What would you do with your Heisman ticket? You're not going to throw it out. What would you do if I told you that Caleb Williams will land at Wisconsin? Uh, I would project that that becomes expensive toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> it's not like I, I wagered a lot. But, yeah. yeah, the value of that 15-to-1 ticket would diminish greatly, in my opinion. 
Have you have you seen these stories about Wisconsin, you know, trying to play the game the way everyone else does? Which, by the way, Wisconsin has been playing the game. This stuff about them being like gritty and gutty and getting two stars is a bunch of bullcrap. They recruited at a high level, but uh, have you seen the stuff about Wisconsin? You know, basically doing what a lot of schools do, which is make sure that you get as many as many um, you know friends who might be close to a potential transfer into the program. So I guess Bobby Engram's kid, he's on the team, and uh, so Wisconsin's been. You know, trying to do all it can to get Caleb Williams to change his mind and go to Wisconsin instead of USC. I have seen that, but I'm just—I'm going to have to almost physically see Caleb Williams in a Wisconsin uniform to believe it. It would be to me one of the more shocking happenings that I—I've I, witnessed in following college football in 30 years. I thought—I literally thought Caleb Williams to USC was a done deal. Had I bet it, it's all confident. I, I mean, it, it would have been. Bet fifty bucks to win a dollar, type of thing. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I've read that Wisconsin rumors lately, but I still think it's almost a done deal. Williams Dusty. I like it though. I think it's good for college football now with NIL. Um, I think there's a lot. More. I mean, I, I I thought what uh, what Eastern Michigan was trying to do. Now, now I'm freaking. Now I'm blanking on. Uh, oh, uh, Charlie Batch. Charlie Batch had a company that was willing to put up like a yep. million dollars supposedly for for Caleb Williams to go to Eastern Michigan. Why not in college basketball? A lot of schools have essentially bought themselves into, a lot of mid-majors have bought themselves into, and schools that were nothing, Arkansas, um, you know, in recent years, have kind of bought themselves back into the game. So why why can't there be some football programs that either buy themselves in or go to another level? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I will say as far as the transfer portal, you know, at least some statistics are coming out now. That you know, pretty much half the kids that enter the transfer portal are effectively ending their football career. Uh, I mean, they're just right, not right, finding right. a home. They're sitting there in the portal. So, I mean, for all the good stories that are out there, there's a lot of bad ones. So, uh, oh, like course. most things in life, uh, there's a lot of good and bad to, to both NIL and the transfer portal. Well, and the other thing we've talked about a lot on this show, probably not with you, but uh, when you see all these kids go into the transfer portal, it's not kids going in. A lot of times it's program's going, you know what, we missed on this guy. Sorry, son, but here's my advice. Leave. And you'll have six, eight guys at big schools basically told you ain't going to play here, so you have to go into the transfer portal. So that's kind of the uh, the dirty underbelly from the school side. All right, let's – before we get to out of here, Brad Powers is with us, bradpowersports.com. Let's hit on the NFL spots here. Um, first of all, we kick off with the AFC title game. We got seven for Kansas City. The total is 54-and-a-half. You got a lean or a like on either side or the total. Yeah, I, I lean with Kansas City. Um, and I do think if you want to get in front of a line move, I do expect it to close seven and a half. So seven being a key number if you want to get in front of that. I expect more money to show up on Kansas City. It's not a great spot for Kansas City. They got one day less rest compared to Cincinnati. They just played arguably one of the best games in the history of the NFL. With that being said, I mean, Kansas City, the, the playoff experience edge, not only from the player aspect, but also Andy Reid. I think it's just too much to overcome for Cincinnati. And on top of it, I get it. Cincinnati's won two playoff games. They've covered two playoff games. But I haven't been overwhelmed by Cincinnati in either one. I thought it was more a reflection of their opponent not taking advantage of opportunities or making a bunch of dumb mental mistakes. So uh, because of that, I think there's some slight value on the Chiefs. I know that you know Sam Paniotovich, and we have Sam on earlier in the week, and he, he raves about your information. Sam was pitching, if you're going to bet futures for Super Bowl MVP, that – you may want to jump on 
Mahomes now. This is a big number in this game. He's plus 180 right now for Super Bowl MVP. If they make the Super Bowl, obviously you're not getting plus 180. What do you think of that philosophy? Is it too risky, or is there actually a little value there? No, I think there is. I mean, because obviously there's significant favorite in this game, uh, and, you know, it doesn't matter who they're going to play in the Super Bowl, even though it's effectively a road game if they play the Rams. Kansas City's still going to be the favorite in that one. So, yeah, I could see that. I, I, I don't see it going any higher. I could only see it going lower. So, yeah, sure. I mean, I think there's some value there. All three and a halfs with the Rams and the total 45 and a half, 46. And obviously the Niners have dominated the series recently. So what are you going to do? I'm going to take 49ers. Uh, I mean, look, they haven't just dominated the series, but I mean, the last four times they've been an underdog and won the game outright. To me, that that's not a statistical outlier. That's just, you know, maybe that, that to me signifies that there's a specific matchup edge that San Francisco has. And, I mean, just from the style of play, as far as them being a physical attack that can take advantage of a Rams defense that is more pass rush oriented, I think that's a positive plus. I mean, obviously, when you coached under somebody like Sean McVay, as coached under Shanahan, I would have to think teacher pupil with Shanahan probably knows the strengths and weaknesses of McVay more than he would like to admit. So I'm going to lean with the 49ers, although I will say it's not a great spot for straight road game. But, but is it a true road game? Because I watched the game a couple weeks ago, and it was a 50-50 crowd split. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a ton of Niners fans there again. I mean, the Rams tried to pull some kind of ticket, you know, fooiness uh, at the beginning of the week, and they got embarrassed, and they had to pull that down. So pretty much anyone who wants to go to the game is going to be able to get tickets, whether they're Niners fans or Rams fans. So, all right, Brad, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me on. Take care, guys. There he is. At Brad Powers. Seven up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. Tomorrow night, a good opportunity to hang out with uh, the one, the only, Tyshoff. Maybe the other guys from uh, the press box will be there as well. ESPN Las Vegas on the road at PT's Pub at Maryland and Tropicana. UNLV watch party as the runner Rebels will be on the road. They're uh, here in Fort Collins. That's where I am following the team against Colorado State. Colorado State, excellent team. Good game, a lot on the line for UNLV. They need to get things uh, turned around pretty quickly here. $10 $10 Miller Lite pitchers available, UNLV giveaways, including cornhole games, T-shirts, and hats. Plus, you get a chance to win a staycation at the Strat or win beer for a year from Miller Lite. 6 o'clock start, 6 o'clock start, 6 o'clock start. Tyler Bischoff on the road, ESPN Las Vegas, PT's Pub at Tropicana and Maryland. That's tomorrow. 22-ounce Bud Light, Budweiser, or Michelob Ultra, plus two hot dogs and two bags of chips, all for just $7.77 at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.